Computer, initialize Holosuite. Hey, welcome back to the Fire Caves. Well, this is the Fire Caves After Dark. This is just an episode that we do whenever we've had too much fun and we've had too much to talk about that we didn't get to cover it all in the episode you probably just listened to. So <laughs> once again, I am one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Thanks for joining us. And hopefully you enjoy this rambling bit of after-conversational stuff that we like to do. Um, we've had a couple of things that we wanted to talk to you about. Well, I guess I wanted to talk to you about and get David's take, <laughs> and get David's take on. So um, one of them was the fact that, um, as we said, this was this episode was directed by uh, Jonathan Frakes, our own number one, Will Riker. The from Search Part Next 2. Generation. Yep. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that, like, I really enjoy both the character, William Riker, and the actor Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes. Frakes yeah. The actor, yeah, he he just seems so so fun. I got the chance to see him in person when I went to a Star Trek convention in Vegas several years ago. Right. Uh, didn't get the chance to talk to him, unfortunately, but he was without a doubt one of the most engaging, fun, lively individuals. Like he just he just genuinely seemed like. He was having as great a time as we were there. He's got this great booming laugh. He did not need a microphone for it at all, you know. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's just, he seems like a lot of fun. And he brings right. that to the character of Riker. Riker always seems like he's having a great time. Yeah. So I just want to say I very much appreciate Jonathan Frakes for bringing that character to life. And, again, happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Riker is a great character. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um so at, when it was when TNG was on Netflix and I watched it there, you know, there's the last episode and then they had a uh, a retrospective, I think is what they called it, and it was hosted by uh Jonathan Frakes um and it's like an hour long, it's like an episode long featurette and it basically follows him uh in part and he like during part of it he goes to a convention and he's signing things and yeah, he seems just as engaged and friendly and and and, and pleasant and all of the things you just said. Um, and that and that was back when the show was in its heyday. So if he's still able to maintain that enthusiasm uh, when you were able to see him back in, I guess that'd be what the mid like 2010 or so. Or so, yeah, because I was um, I mean, it was a long time ago. I was 21. Yeah. So we're talking what 15 years. Wow. So, but I mean, I've heard him in other things and he's, he's obviously done a lot in those intervening 15 years. I know that when the pandemic first started, for example, Patrick Stewart was doing this thing where he was reading a sonnet a day (laughs) and he would, and he would live tweet it, you know, or just, you know, you could find it on Twitter, you could find it on YouTube. And that was just it. He had a giant collection of Shakespeare sonnets and he just picked one and he would just read it. right? Right. Well, there was a time when for whatever reason he he couldn't do it either he was busy or something that he he just couldn't do it so who stepped into the role <laughs> to read for him jonathan frakes and the the beauty of it was like they announced that jonathan frakes was going to do it but when i started listening to it 
I hadn't seen him, you know? Right. So I, when it started, I just heard his voice and I was like, I mean, he sounds, he sounds great. Like, I wonder, you know, and then they finally like got around and they panned around and he's obviously he's a bit older, right. but he sounded the same, like yeah. perfect. And I was like, man, like I really just appreciated that. And it just, and he, he read so well, he did so well. Of course he did, right. you know, and he, and he just did this. And I was like, and then of course he gets kind of goes on to his own thing and he's talking and he's laughing, he's doing whatever. And I'm like, this man just seems like he is just enjoying life a hundred percent and i love it like i don't know why that makes me feel so good when when you get to see your favorite actors or whatever behind the scenes and they just genuinely seem like decent people who like enjoy life but it does it just it makes me smile and he definitely did that and so um yeah again i just have a great appreciation for him and the character that he brought to life and he's still portraying as we know he's getting ready to pop up here on season three right you know so yeah, I just uh I actually can't wait to see him either. As much as I've talked about Worf, I also can't wait to see uh Will Riker back. Yeah. Back in the saddle there. Yeah, um I think we've already talked about it before. I forget when when but I feel like it was recent. I uh I said that I liked whenever Riker would take control of the Enterprise, whenever Picard was somehow in unable. And I always liked that Riker was always different. He had a different command style he had a different solution than pike than than uh, picard would have had he was a unique character and that meant that he was always a great number one to uh to picard he was he was perfect for the role and i always liked the idea too that he was smart enough to realize like i remember his you know his father comes on in that one episode i think it's like season three and it's like basically kind of pushing him or at least he felt pushed to like you know take take command of, of, a, of his own ship and he was like, no, I feel like this is the right place. And like, yeah, you know, being the number one on on a starship like that, I mean, you would almost want a a a, a captain quality second in command, a number one. You would want someone on your on your flagship ship to be someone who's really capable. Um, and so the character was great. Jonathan Frakes played the character well. Um, you know, it's funny, now that I know who Jonathan Frakes is, whenever I see clips of him from the show Beyond Belief, uh, that was a total fabrication. That was, have you seen those? The um, Yes. totally made up. False. No, nope, th- that's false. Yeah. And I, it didn't happen. I don't know what, the, I've never watched that show. Uh, oh, you never watched I, Fact or Fiction? I need to. Um, oh, man, that was one, that was a part of the, the Fox Friday night lineup back when Fox was worth watching. <laughs> Like, like I remember that because it was like you, you would, you know, you kind of tapered off into the evening after like the last bit of sports stuff right. ended. And then for me, like that Friday night, I remember I would watch Batman, the animated series. And then you'd have like this lull where they would do the news. And again, I was a kid. No, I'm not going to watch the right, news, right. you know, but then it would pick up again with um, something animated like the Simpsons or King of the Hill or whatever. And then it would be. Uh, fact or fiction, and then you watch the X Files, and then it was a toss up as to whether or not you just stopped watching Fox at that point, or you could watch uh, Millennium, another sci fi show that was unfortunately short lived, right. uh, that came on after uh, the X Files. Um, but yeah, that was like your Friday night when you were little, <laughs> you know. So I remember that uh, that was a great little show and it was just these little tales and they would, you know, do the dramatizations and everything else. And then at the end of the episode, he would come back and he would ask you, so which of our tales tonight was fact 
or fiction. And then he would take you kind of through a quick synopsis right. and then he would ask you and then he would tell you whether or not, you know, yes, this one, absolute fact. They'd give you like the background huh. of the facts and everything right. else. And then if it was fiction, it was like, nope, we made that one yeah. up. And here's here's the creative team or whatever. Right. It was a great little show. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I need to watch that. It's just uh, every time I see clips from that, it's like it must have happened. Like that show must have come on on TV uh, after like TNG had maybe ended. It looks like he's he's at that age. Yeah, like, yeah. It was his after TNG uh, gig. Yeah, yeah. Probably his little his the lull probably between end of TNG after they did the Generations movie and then there was because there, there was no Trek for a while. Right. So probably he was doing that before they you know were back to do more movies right. and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I would assume. Right. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, I always love those clips because they're always so intense. Yeah. No, that was a total fabrication. That was a complete oh, lie. I, I always <laughs> loved I I loved when I first started seeing those again pop up in memes and stuff, yeah. you know? Because it it was just a great blast of nostalgia. But also they just <laughs> they fit so well. Just having somebody like, nope. Yeah. You know, just over and over again. Yeah. That's totally false. Yeah. yeah. It was great, great <laughs> stuff. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So now, another thing that I wanted to uh, bring up, I don't know if you've experienced this yet or not, if, you're, if your memory of, of Trek is at a point where this could happen to you. But basically, there was a question that was put out when I was in one of the Reddit groups there about um, phrases or words that you now use or pop up every day for you that directly relate to Trek. Like you wouldn't have heard them otherwise. Right. Right. So there were some examples that were given. One was like, um, um, people saying fascinating, of course, cause you know, OG Spock used to say fascinating all the time. That was his thing. <laughs> okay. And so now, so there were some people who were like, yeah, I say fascinating all the time. And it's like, but now it's to the point where I can't just say fascinating. I have to, there's like a tone, there's a demeanor that comes with it. And every time I do it, I'm think I'm feel like I'm channeling Spock. Right. And I thought that was pretty funny. Cause it's like, you know what? I know that I've done it. Like maybe not on purpose, but I know that I've done it. Um, and then of course there were people who talked about how they started drinking Earl Grey tea because of Picard, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Right. Yeah. And so for me, I had two. And, uh, one was the fact that when I, I know that I've actively used the words, um, Entrance and egress <laughs> more because of Star Trek right. than for any other reason. Right. You know, and that's because there's this one off episode in the next generation where Spot gets out and uh Data finds that Spot is out wandering the corridors, and Data, it's Data and Jordy, they found Spot, they bring him back into his quarters, and Jordy's like, how did he get out? And Data's like, I don't know. The, my quarters are only programmed for human entrance and egress. <laughs> and I've remembered that ever since. And that's and I was like, you know what? Because it was like I now had another word to say instead of exit. So now, like, I say that instead of saying, yeah, just go to the exit or leave or whatever. Just egress. Right. You know. And every time, it's like a quick flash, and I, it's like I relive that scene right. real quick. Yeah. Um. So that's my first one. Um. But then the other one, actually, I'm going to pause on that one. I'm going to save it. I'm going to ask you, have you had anything like that? Yeah, I think I uh, actually I told you uh, um, at some point the um, 
it's the scene of Picard being tortured in the four lights. There are four lights. That particular scene was referenced in a, in a comedic skit uh, I saw recently from, from the Babylon Bee, which is a Christian conservative satire like the Onion sort of site. And I love that. Uh, they, they do, you know, articles that are always, you know, they're fake. You know, it's not satire. And then they also do videos. And in one of them, they were torturing this guy. And they made a reference to that. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm so glad I've watched TNG because now I know what that reference was. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the moment, I can't think of anything else standing out at the moment. But, well, I guess it's stuff like the memes of Picard, you know, face palming or holding his hand out. Like, why would you do that? But it's him doing the Shakespeare line for, uh, uh, for what's her face? Um, Loxana. Yeah. Loxana Troy, daughter of the fifth house, holder of the sacred Chalice uh, of Chalice Bricks, heir to holy, holy rings of Betazine. Yeah, yep, yeah. And, uh, yeah, when you know the scenes, it, like, it was actually great to see those scenes come on screen because I'd seen the memes enough that I knew that they were going to come up. And so when they were there... I was able to be like, oh, that's the meme. That's the that's the picture that they always reference. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, those. Th I mean, I, I wish I could I'm, think of other things that I know stand out, but at the moment, those are the ones that I'm, I'm remembering. Yeah, I mean, there's like there there are so many, and it's just kind of across the board, you know. But um, the, the other question that was along these lines was also like, again, just like phrases and stuff that. Just pop into your head. They have no bearing on what you're doing. Or just a line of dialogue or something that for some reason you're stuck on. And like an example that was given was the phrase or the yeah, the name of a planet, which was Galorndon Core. And the guy had, had this whole write about it. He's like, I don't even know why, but like I'll just I'll be minding my own business. I'll be watching TV or I'll be walking down the street or whatever. And all of a sudden it just flashes in my brain, Galorndon Core. He's like, I can't even remember the episode, but I know they talked about it. And he's right, and the and like I've said before like it doesn't take much for me to remember episodes and galorndon core that phrase it's it's because there's this episode dealing with the cardassians and next generation and there's this suspicion that they are putting not cardassians romulans my mistake but that they are putting a an outpost on this planet galorndon core <laughs> and picard must say the name of that planet like a dozen times and it's it, it just over and over and over again. I don't even think we actually see the planet in the episode. Right. They just keep saying it. And so, yeah, I like I totally got the guy's frustration because I'm like, they said it so many times. Suspicion, suspicious anomalous readings, Galorndon Court, like over and over and over again. Right. So I understood. Yeah. You know, but yeah, things like that that just get stuck in your brain. I mean, you've heard of the the whole like musical earwig, you know, you get a part of yeah. a song or whatever. Yeah. But this is like decades, you know. I'm I'm 36. I watched that episode probably when I was like nine, and still like just bam, brings me right back. Um, but like for me on that one was the phrase, "They say the sea is cold, but the sea contains the hottest blood of all." Now, this was a quote that uh, James Kirk says to Dr. Jillian Taylor right. of the um, San Francisco Cetacean Institute in the movie Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. So if you know anything about that movie, you know that it's all about whales, right? Okay, right. Um, synopsis, for those who don't know, 
Earth is in trouble. Kirk and crew go back in time to find two humpback whales, then bring them forward in time. Drop them off and hope the hell they tell this thing what to go do with itself. That's also another quote from the movie, but <laughs> go go watch the movie and that will be even funnier to oh, you wow. when you get there. Okay. When you get there. All right. Um, but anyway, in this particular scene, Kirk, in order to uh, score some points with Jillian and kind of get her to come around to their side on why they need this particular set of whales, he saddles up to her as they're looking at this set of whales in a giant tank, and he says this line to her. Again, they say the sea is cold, but the sea contains the hottest blood of all. Her response, her eyes get all wide, and she's all, like, impressed looking at him, and she's like, and she says the name. It's Whales Weep Not by D.H. Lawrence. It's a poem. Now, I have watched that scene countless times in my life, right? right? I've seen that movie so many times. But in all the times and all the years that I've watched it, I have never once looked up that poem and read it until today when I was reading that forum and they were talking about these brain, you know, the earwigs or whatever that get stuck in your head from Star Trek. So it's finally like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to read this poem and figure out what the heck this is about. So I did. And let me tell you something. It was the most erotic poem about whales I've ever read in my life. Now, to be fair, it's also the only erotic poem about whales I've ever read in my life. But (laughs) or the only poem about whales you've ever read in your life. (laughs) That too. That too. So, I—I mean, I was—I was shocked. I was—I completely caught me off guard. I, I just didn't know what to expect, but it certainly wasn't that. And I mean. Parts of it are even kind of graphic. Um, so wasn't expecting it. But then as I sat there after reading it and thinking about it, I realized two things. One, the line is completely inappropriate for what Kirk is trying to get her to do in the movie. Okay. And then it, it just doesn't fit. Like if you if if the whole point was to trigger her memory about the whales and to see that he was also like into whales and understood whales or whatever to the degree that she would help them this to me was the wrong poem to source for that but then too the other thing which i think is more disturbing is in order for her to understand the reference she would have had to have also read this poem and for her to have the reaction that she has to him that means she's way more into whales than she should be in fact she shouldn't be the cetacean institute's whale expert because uh no. If if you decide to go read this poem, uh, no, you will no. obviously understand. <laughs> it it certainly starts off gentle enough, but man, by that like second stanza or whatever, you're just like, oh my God, like what in the world? <laughs> D.H. Lawrence was on something when he wrote this nonsense. Huh. So yeah. Whole, uh, be prepared. Sperm whale to a whole new level, does it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's a whole lot of talk about phallus being in, encapsulated in the warm embrace of the whale. There we go. That's thanks, it. thanks, Perry. Thanks for that. You're Thank welcome. you for letting us go ahead and not having to read it. <laughs> of course not. I had to give you a little I guess sample. I, I guess I kind of made you do it by saying sperm whale, so <laughs> But yeah, it was it was a terrible moment. And again, like the more I thought about the more I was like, it's completely inappropriate. He's trying to get her to convince him or he's trying to, yeah, get her to give him give him the whales. Let him take them. Let him 
take them somewhere where they'll be safe. And so he basically describes or alludes to a poem that's basically whale porn. I don't understand how that worked to get her to get come around to his way of thinking. But I mean, she was into it. She, like she she knew the poem, she knew the author, and just the way her face lit up when he mentioned it, it was just like clear there was some other kind of connection there. Wow. And it was knew? deeply after all these years. I've probably watched that movie over the course of the last twenty five years of my life. I've probably watched that movie at least a dozen times, if not more, at some point, right? Right. And the fact that it was today that I finally got to the root of that quote <laughs> and, and what it did to me, just, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that I read it now versus reading it 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would have been scarred for life. Never would have been able to go to uh, a zoo again. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm scarred now. I can't go to a zoo again. Goodness gracious. <laughs> this is why we recorded yeah. this, is it? This this After Dark, is so you could tell me about the yes. poem? Uh, That's right. That's exactly why I wanted to do this After Dark, because <laughs> I needed to get that out so that I can sleep tonight. It needed <laughs> and to come I can't. All right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So are you enjoying Deep Space Nine so far? Are you enjoying what you're experiencing because this is your first run through so yeah i um i really am curious to see how this season three is going to go because i and this in these first two episodes and i didn't i didn't mention it in our recording about the uh, episode two um like well i I did say in the episode one like you can tell they spent more money on the sets on the costumes on all kinds of things like this season has got the budget finally like you know they were not splitting it between two shows tng is done therefore you know deep space nine can have the full budget and you can tell that that's a change. And so I'm curious to see what else that will affect, you know, if that's going to yeah. blossom into the rest of the show in, in major ways. And uh, if it does, I think that's going to really I mean, it'd be great. Of course, more money, more more things we can do. Um, I I guess I'll just have to just put this – I'll just have to say it one more time and then just be done with it, I guess. But, like, the idea that I, I want the crew to kind of more gel – like in the first episode, we got mm-hmm. them all on a ship, and you know, Cisco is basically the captain of a ship for the first time, and then they blow it up, <laughs> and so we're gonna go back to the station and back to things as they were. Which, of course, that's that is the show. The show isn't about them you know, jet setting like the Enterprise uh, around to different you know places. So, um, but there was that brief moment of like, oh man, this could be. Like, what would the the Deep Space Nine version of of of, a, of spacefaring ship going around doing missions look like? They have Quark as their uh, unhappy diplomat kind of character who's forced to go be there uh, to go. Well, he he likes making money, but he doesn't like that he's always in dangerous situations. And then Odo is their you know wharf type character. He can fight. Cisco is you know he's on a. This is a more this is a warship. This this ship is meant to do more dangerous undercover things. Like, ah, there was a moment where it could have really gone in a really adventurous direction. But that's not what the show is, so I, I think it's fair. That, and I, I, I was very – I was actually pleased that they blew the ship up in the first episode. They didn't hold back. They didn't, they didn't build this set for this ship and then, like, sit on it for however long. No, they, they committed to some really great action sequences in that first episode. Um 
Now, as we know, the Defiant is not destroyed. Yes. As we just saw at the end of the episode. That is, is true. Still, uh, they were able to... Still around. Yes. Yeah. It was severely disabled, but not... Right. Not destroyed. I guess what I would say is I feel like I've heard from you and from others that the show in later seasons, like, it, it, there's something about it that clicks. If that is what... Yeah. Yeah. There's something that yeah, kind of clicks um, that, that really is worth waiting for. And so I feel like I'm still waiting for that kind of click you know what, what makes it gel really well um i still think that it's I mean, it's fine i think the characters are are nuanced enough and interesting enough that we've got some good episodes uh dax being the one character who just is always crim- criminally criminally uh left to just suffer and just be i don't know if it's because she's a chick maybe that's what it's you know it's like it's a female character and hard to make I mean, compelling storylines for I, her. I don't know. Yeah, I think that, you know, as I think that for Dax, especially the many times, again, I've watched the show a lot. I, I just feel like in the early days of the show, they just didn't know how to use it. Right. You know, Terry Farrell is a very attractive woman. Right. And when the show starts, you know, the only female characters that we have are her and Kira. And I think that there was just this, there was such a great emphasis on Kira Uh that Dax kind of got sidelined. And so it was just, it it took a while before really somebody kind of just stepped up and was like, you know what? We really need to do more with this character. And so it's, it's a gradual build, but we do get there. Right. We do get there. Okay. And, I mean, Dax becomes a favorite, and she's a favorite for a reason, you know? So, yeah, this is kind of... We're, we're getting there. We just got to give it some more um, some more time. Okay. That's all. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I, I mean, I just want to say I feel like the show... I mean, I think Star Trek has a, a really good formula. It's a, it's a... You have a group an organization that is an upstanding organization. They have morals, they have principles. You have a well-realized universe. Um, I always find it kind of, I always just kind of roll my eyes a little bit at the idea that alien species are always just so conveniently humanoid. I mean, they do explain that in the TNG episode where they say that all of the species are actually seeded from one race. Um, Like they, they, the archeology span episode with Picard. So I'm glad they explained that, but um, but I mean, it, it, of course that's the way it had to be. It's just you know, we don't have a budget of you know, we didn't have you know CGI back in mm-hmm. the '60s, so they had to make do with what they could do. And um, so I I I feel like even Deep Space Nine, even if it is a change in the formula, still has a great you know, it's like you know, <laughs> the idea of like Coke, the original Coke. I like the original Coke, and I but doesn't mean like I don't like Pepsi or I, it's not like I don't like other sodas or, you know, I feel like these space nine is a different flavor. Um, and at the moment, it's not my favorite flavor per se. I still think I would prefer the TNG, uh, show if I could like compare them together right now. Um, but it doesn't mean that I don't like it. So, um, I'm still waiting to, I don't know if I, <laughs> if I might have too high expectations for the, like the, the, the gelling and the clicking, of later seasons when it might kind of really gel perfectly. I, I hope I'm not giving myself too high expectations and then being let down, but yeah. no, not necessarily. I mean, it's just, I think that's something that has been talked about a lot. It's just that this show, 
you know, the characters had some, not just characters, but the actors had some issues getting it together with each other um, initially, you know, because they were, they were just vastly different. Those, and plus, they were also treated differently than the TNG cast. And then, you know, TNG's ending, and then there's this talk of the movie, so there's still a lot of buzz around TNG, right. while this show is it is starting to get some more attention, right. but still it's, it is kind of being overshadowed and yeah. you, you know, people feel that, yeah. you know, and they, they want their stuff to be deemed as important, right. you know, as anything else is going on. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like this show is one that definitely benefits from um, the serialization that it goes through. And I think that's why this show is kind of seeing a revival now. Right. Because, you know, with with the ability to binge watch first on Netflix, now on Paramount Plus and everything else, you get to see that back to back of the story. You see how everything fits together. And um, I mean it's like reading a book. You know, right. you're instead of turning to a new chapter and it's reset and you're back at page one, you know, you it's continuing. You're seeing how the story arcs work, how that reference in chapter three works in chapter six and beyond. Right. You know, that's what we're getting. Okay. And we're, and what we're getting to in this show. Right. We've seen already, and we've talked about how they've kind of laid little hints, dropped Easter eggs here and there. But now all that stuff is finally getting ready to flourish. Right. So it'll be much better. I don't know if I've said this yet. Maybe I did. Um, but I really like the character of Lee Nollis from the first couple episodes of season two. And I'm sad that the character mm. died. And I, I don't want to be... I, I do think it worked for those episodes. And to have a, a, an important character die is usually necessary to help keep the drama going. But I part of me really wishes that we could have kept him around. I feel like he would... Uh, to have another Bajoran character, to have this character who's wrestling with this hero identity that's been put upon him versus the reality of he's just a guy trying to make do with life like everybody else... Ah, he was a good character. He would have been. I, I think he would have been a great romantic partner for Kira. Like for all the things that I, I think that um, Vedic Brile kind of suffers from would have been made better with Lee Nollis. You know, I don't know if it would have been maybe the best, yeah. best romantic relationship because of the age difference. Maybe or like a father daughter type relationship. Maybe um, would have made more sense. Uh, but I, I wish there was a, another Bajoran character that. Kira really got to interact with, and I feel like Lee Nollis okay. was the one that really could have really filled that role well. Yeah. Right, someone who a bit had a bit more of a of a similar background, a fighter, resistance fighter, you know, kind of has their own tragedies and that they're going through. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I get it, that. Like again, the problem with Bet- Vedic Barile is that the romantic relationship is what defines their relationship, not the fact that they're Bajorans, if you know what I mean. Like not the fact that they're just two people. The romantic element that they throw in there causes more complications for the for that relationship. Whereas I wish there was just another, like just another Bajoran character on some level. Um, yeah, to really just give us a real a, a wider sense of who the Bajorans are and how how Kira is different from other Bajorans. Like what makes her unique as a as a person in the Bajoran culture per se, and vice versa for the other character would be. And it wouldn't have to be necessarily like a main cast member. Um, basically, it's like a Nog or or Rom type character for her. Uh, someone who regularly is one of her Bajoran counterparts that we regularly interact with, but they're not part of the main cast. That could have really worked, I think. Um, yeah. But other than that, I mean, the only episode I hated was the 
that one, which I won't mention, move along home. <laughs> but you say oh, we're gonna re- we're gonna revisit oh, we're, again. We're gonna. Oh, we're gonna. Gosh. You're never getting away from it. We've got. We're just now in. Are season you telling three, man. me that the 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 changelings were actually the that race of people, and this was the that was their first interaction with our <laughs> with our crew? Uh, that would be funny. Because they already actually. Now that I say it, it might make sense because. They somehow managed to get all of our cast into that dreamscape of the game. And then in this episode, The Search Part 2, they were in a simulation of, of you know, what would happen if Dominion... Like, the technology exists on both sides. <laughs> maybe maybe the, the Wadi are the, the changeless. <laughs> maybe. Uh, you're, you're, I'm not going to yeah, tell you. Yeah, you got that look on your face of like, uh... <laughs> Getting getting a little too close. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Getting a little too close to home. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and I, I I do I like the idea of the Cardassians being villainous characters. And in, in season two, we got the one where O'Brien was was held captive and imprisoned and about to be executed. I I definitely would love to see more Cardassians. If the Dominion shows up as our main villainous group and it replaces the Cardassians, I will be sad. I like the idea of the Dominion being being an opponent and an antagonist from the Gamma Quadrant, but that cannot replace the Cardassians as our more neighborly antagonist group. We need to make sure that they still, there's still tension there. There's still issues to work out there. I don't want the Dominion to replace well, the the Cardassians. Well, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens, obviously, but I will tell you that the only thing I'll say is Gold Dukat is far too fascinating of a character to go away completely. Okay. So, there. Gotcha. Right. Oh, and the other thing I should mention is, for some reason on YouTube, I don't feel like I've clicked on enough Star Trek stuff for, like, Garrick videos to be popping up in my feed, but there are videos, and I feel like they're, like, recently made videos, like... People have recently made clips of Garrick, and that somehow ends up in my feed. And I partly want to click on them because they're like, that one time Garrick was actually truthful. And so I'm like, when was the time that Garrick was truthful? And I almost want to click right. on it. You get but curious. I'm like, no, I'm it's probably you, an episode I haven't do seen it. yet. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed. You, you don't do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm, I'm getting incredibly suspicious of the YouTube algorithm because I've already fallen down this rabbit hole several times. I mean, that's why I started watching ER because right. it kept making these little suggestions about things that I didn't understand. Right. And I'd watch them and be like, huh, that was actually a pretty good scene. What was this from? And then I would look it up. Oh. ER, and after like it happened enough times, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna go watch the show. Now I'm in season ten, and <laughs> I'm I'm just like, what is happening? Oh, by the way, why, did the helicopter drop down on a guy? Happen? Yes, yeah. it finally happened, and you know what? I I feel I feel cheated because <laughs> the guy. So there was two there were two accidents involving with the same guy in a helicopter. The first one took his arm what? right chopped his arm off okay yeah all right all right so there's a there's a he's there's this whole scene he's rushing about he's being he and he's a real jerk the guy he's just he's just awful right everybody hates him right. he's he's just awful so when his arm got chopped off i was like yeah you know little, little <laughs> justice you know i have to admit oh, it, i was i mean and then but Be then weird. We His were of, uh, of, of uh, Perry's justice over there. Goodness gracious! All right, man. <laughs> it was it was swift, bloody, and beautiful. I loved it. 
All right, keep going, keep going. So then his character goes for like the next three seasons, and it's this weird back and forth of him being a jerk or him being oddly compassionate. And then he would just, he would do these things, he would say these things, and it was like with such compassion and insight, and it seemed to come from such a genuine place, and you're like, oh, is he kind of like doing like a redemption thing? Is he going to be better? And then like the very next day, he would do something else just horrible. And I was like, ah! I, you know, it just, it was frustrating. And so finally, when it gets to the part where it, you know, it's going to happen, right? It, the whole lead up to it, the whole week, all the episodes I'd watched with him in it, he was, again, he was like, he was just kind of somber. He was very understanding. He was gracious. He was kind. He was all this stuff. And then it happens. And I was like, it sucks. Like, his death sucks. He should have gone out when he was at his most vile. Right. And his most just just awful. Because you could have been like, yeah, dropped on him. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Right. right? Like, he just... I wanted him to go out on top of being just a terrible person. Right. And instead, I was cheated because in the last few moments before he died, you were unsure as to whether or not, like, was he was he truly going to reform this time? Right. Was he going to be better? Is he in love with this other woman? Is that why he's being nice? Like, what's going on? And so it just, it was very unsatisfying. <laughs> very unsatisfying. Yeah, I hear what you mean. So, yeah, yeah that, that upset me. Right. And so then, you know, of course, I was just like, yeah, I'm upset that this character, Romano, died. And I'm like, well, you're supposed to be upset. And I'm like, no, I'm not upset because he died. I'm upset because he wasn't a dick when he died. Like, I wanted him to be just freaking terrible. Right. Right. I didn't get it. I was cheated out of a satisfactory villain death. Gotcha. So. Gotcha, gotcha. But now, yeah, now the show is just moving into this, this... It's a it's a weird because part of the joy of the show for me had been the fact that again it started in the '90s and there were all these really obvious tropes from the '90s, but now we're moving into that latter part of the '90s and now into the 2000s and so forth, you know. And it's and it's um I mean this is season ten went to season season fifteen ended in 2009 so yeah we're in the we're in the 2000s now. Right. So now there's this rapid change that I've noticed in a lot of the characters. A lot more forward progression with with politics, with people, personnel, all these things. And so now it's an interesting transition to watch as we move away from the apparently rampant sexism of the early to mid to late 90s <laughs> and into this very you know, kind of open, transparent, we're not putting up with any of that anymore stuff. And it's weird to watch this clash because you've got characters who have been there since the beginning and then you've got all the new ones coming in and to watch this, that's been interesting too. The show is almost like a sociology study. Right. Like, seriously, I, fi- I find it highly fascinating. Like, it, sh- it should definitely be something that people oh. watch. Oh, I'm sure there are studies. There are books out there. There are There's a classes <laughs> at a college out there somewhere talking about how the changes in society as seen through the lens of uh, ER. <laughs> you know, like it's it sounds ridiculous, but right, right. I would warrant there's a lot that can be gleaned from yeah. this. Like just just knowing the the PC stuff that was behind a lot of this, right. and how it was then reflected in our entertainment. I bet you you're right. There there's probably a bunch of studies. <laughs> 
and stuff that are done on it. Yeah. Right, right. <sighs> well, we're going to have to end this because it's late and we both have things to do the next day. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to be any more tired than I have to be. Gotcha. But uh, as always, David, nice speaking with you, you as well. in this you as well. trek after dark. You know, and uh, don't read Will's Weep Not by D.H. Lawrence. Just don't do it. All right. Well, um, at least I didn't specifically know which poem to not listen to. Yeah. To not. not yeah. Don't up. do it. <laughs> Man. Or at least wait until you watch the movie and then you can watch the movie, go read it, and then be like, you know what? He's absolutely right. This poem. Oh, no. At this point, I don't think I want to even fit. watch the movie. I think that the movie's now off the table, oh, too. But the, <laughs> but the movie's got some pure gems in it. Like, um, I, I have, I'm going to. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to do it. My favorite scene is. It's Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Right. And Spock has recently returned to them, but he's he's not quite right, right in the brain, right? And so there's this whole scene where they're talking about where they can actually go find some humpback whales. And he's like, you just said that they don't exist except for in Earth or the past. He's like, yes, that's exactly what I said. And then they all realize what he means, and McCoy's like, now wait just a damn minute but before he can stop him jim sends everybody off to go and you know begin you know following his orders and mccoy chases after him and he's like yeah what is it It starts off with him being like um what does he say um oh he says i prefer a dose of common sense and he's like you're suggesting that we go backwards in time find two humpback whales then bring them forwards in time drop them off and hope the hell they tell this thing what to go do with himself (laughs) that's where that line came from okay yeah (laughs) yeah and he's like that's the general idea yeah and he's like well that's crazy (laughs) so (laughs) it's just stuff like that that's in this movie that make it Great. Right. There's a lot of inane fun. In so, there. quick question: so, Does that movie happen before, or after the con one that you and I saw? At- that's after. That's that, after. This is this movie is it's two movies after that. So, two Wrath of Khan is two. Wow, man. Yeah, Wrath of Khan was two. The Voyage Home is number four. Gotcha. Because the Search for Spock is three. Then, right? Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Man. So, so you have the motion episodes. picture, the motion picture, the Wrath of Khan. The Search for Spock, The Voyage Home, The Final Frontier, and The Undiscovered Country. And then you have Generations, First Contact, Insurrection, Nemesis, and then the TOS reboot. So the original cast did six movies. Yes. Wow, man. I didn't think I knew that. And I I watched the six movies before I watched the original series. Right. I didn't even know there was an original series. I just thought that there was a next generation. And then my uncle was like, oh, here's this VHS box set of these movies. And I was like, and when I, when I first, when I started the first one and I realized it wasn't Picard and everybody, I was like, I don't want to watch these. (laughs) It's not, that's not anybody. And he was like, just, just watch them. And by the time I made it from the first one to the sixth one, I loved them. And I, I loved those characters. I watched those movies so many times. And then when I found out about the original series and went and watched it, I almost didn't want to watch that because they weren't old in that. Right. Like I was used to them as the old them. And then I was this, and I was like, Oh my God, it really kind of threw me off. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Man. But go watch it when, <sighs> when you have time. You don't need to watch anything else. You're well, you're good on those. I guess it's all on Paramount, so I can just watch it there, yeah? That's right. Yeah. You know what? I might watch that time. I might put that on while I drift off to sleep here. <laughs> Alrighty then. 
Well, as always, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And David, I once again enjoy talking with you, but again, we have to go to sleep now. So <laughs> I will uh, talk with you later. And to everybody else, take care of yourselves. All right. Thanks, guys.